Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For the pork industry, including farms in the Texas Panhandle, the pandemic has meant hard times, but also opportunities to develop new strengths. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. The governor on the state of the Texas economy through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Late November is a good time for gardening. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about the tasks at hand for November in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. 2020 was a tough year for pork producers in Texas, but a year of hardship may have helped them become stronger. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle. For Texas Panhandle hog farms, as is true for those across the country, the coronavirus has made things very tough. Brandon Gunn of Texas Pork Producers says due in large measure to the production chain disruptions the pandemic caused, this year's average hog price has been at its lowest in about two decades. We've looked at losses per head and it's different for every farm, but some projections that we've seen have ranged from 10 to $30 per head. There were months where it was larger than that, some where it was less. But there are some bright spots. Gunn says movement through packing plants is back to a pre-COVID pace. Demand for U.S. pork is showing strength both domestically and abroad. And Gunn says the industry has really come together in responding to its challenges. As we've looked at some of the issues that COVID caused in terms of a backlog of hogs, issues with movement, and how we could relate that to future situations should they present themselves, I feel that we're much better prepared than we ever have been before. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas cotton harvest is wrapping up well ahead of schedule. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report showing 82% of the cotton now harvested. That is well ahead of the 68% five-year average pace. The quality of the crop continues to look very bad. 5% of the crop rated in the excellent category, 16% rated good, 33% fair, and 46% of the cotton crop rated poor to very poor. Texas Governor Greg Abbott addressed the state's largest farm organization this week. Tom Nicoletti has more. During Texas Farm Bureau's virtual convention this week, Governor Greg Abbott addressed the organization's membership on a variety of issues. Farm Bureau President Russell Boehning was part of that conversation. Governor, in in June, Comptroller Hager projected a large budget shortfall. Has our state improved since then? You know, it has. uh, In in June was in the early aftermath of uh, the initial kind of jarring stages. 
uh, of the response to COVID. Uh, and we saw a, a downturn in state revenue in, in April and May and, and June. And then it did begin to get better uh, in July and August. Uh, I thought I heard some numbers where July and August may have been as good as, if not better, than July and August were of 2019. Uh, they slowed down a little bit maybe in September and October, but, but there's going to be some ups and downs. But uh, be, because things are getting more open, I've, I've been on I-35 the past few days uh, and in San Antonio and Austin. Let me tell you, uh, it's packed out there and people are out shopping, people are out doing things. And so uh, Texas is getting going. And, and also, uh, I know a lot about what 2021 looks like. 2021 is going to be a very robust year for us economically. The budget shortfall will easily be met by one or several of different strategies. One is we always have the rainy day fund, which is really known as the, is the economic stabilization fund. And so the ESF has plenty of money in it uh, that could address some shortfall. Uh, there is the possibility of either using some CARES Act funding or uh, using uh, some potential additional funding that Congress may pass uh, to assist us in closing any type of budgetary gap. I've had multiple conversations uh, with the Secretary of the Treasury, Mnuchin, who's in charge of trying to craft uh, potential stimulus bills. And uh, we talked extensively about potential budgetary shortfalls, what Texas would need to make up for that shortfall, uh, and then working with us uh, to try to address the shortfall. We'll see how that pans out as Congress does meet again, and, and we know that they will ha they have to pass uh, another budget timetable in December. And is, I'm under the belief that we can expect uh, at least this issue being put on the table. So we'll know more uh, in December about what type of funding we may have. All that said, because of the amount of money that we have in our economic stabilization fund, I'm not concerned a lot about uh, our budget situation uh, because I know where we stand with regard to uh, potential incoming revenue. I know where we stand with regard to uh, the shortfall that we have and our ability to address it with the funds we have on hand. Those comments from Governor Greg Abbott during the 87th Annual Convention of the Texas Farm Bureau in a virtual hookup for farmers and ranchers statewide. The TFB annual meeting will conclude with an in-person business session at the Waco Convention Center Saturday, December 5th. In-person registration from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. with the business session beginning at 1 p.m. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cold weather is here in much of Texas and there's a lot of work you can do in the yard or garden. Horticulturalist John Begno had some advice from San Angelo. Well, it's typical November. We have warm days, windy days, cool days, cool nights, maybe not a freeze where you live yet. But there's some tasks at hand that we can take charge of. And one of the first things is to make sure that those plants that are tender because of upcoming freezes that are evident, that they're moved to where there's not going to be damage occurring to those plants if they're good and worth keeping. Or you could protect them out in the in the garden if, if there's a way to cover them up. Or you can let them die in the case of those that are easily replaced and not very expensive. And those are things like marginal zone plants, plants that might not live in the winter in your area, such as lantanas or yellow bells, because it's too cold or whatever. It's okay to let those just go ahead and die and replace them the next year. So don't sweat that. And do it yourself projects right now. Now, this is the time that you can begin pruning 
If you're scared about pruning plants, just go online. You can do a lot of research from university websites on how to prune roses, how to do a lot of things. Just one little tip on pruning at this time of the year. Remember that if you prune evergreen plants, that they may not look good all winter and until next spring. So it might be better to wait on those to prune in late winter so that they're at least somewhat attractive to look at. Remember, there are many dry areas in Texas right now. If you haven't received rain in the last two or three weeks, not only turf grass, but also trees and shrubs would benefit from an irrigation. We sometimes forget that as we start getting into cooler temperatures. And then the last thing, remember storage of any type of plant pest products. Be sure that they're stored in a safe place where they will not freeze. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. The Farm Service Agency wants to remind farmers that a couple of important deadlines are quickly approaching. FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce says the deadline for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program Part 2 is coming up on December 11th. The program has already assisted many producers across the country, but time is growing short to get new applications submitted. We have certainly had a tremendous response to CPAP2. As of Monday, well over $11 billion has gone out to producers and payments, and that has gone to almost 704,000 different producers in the CPAP2 program. We continue to get applications, and that dollar amount continues to climb. But as a reminder, folks need to at least make their county office aware that they want to sign up for CPAP2 and need to do that before December. The second round of CFAP assistance covers more commodities than the first round did. Sales commodities, and those are going to be primarily specialty crops and aquaculture species, price trigger commodities, and those are going to be kind of our traditional row crops, livestock, and dairy. And then we have a category that we call flat rate row crops, and those would be commodities that either didn't meet a 5% price decline or we didn't have sufficient data to determine that they had hit a 5% price decline. Those all are going to be paid based on 2020 planted acres. Those are going to be paid at $15 an acre. There are some exceptions, but almost anything that our farmers and ranchers out there are producing is likely eligible. December 11th is also the deadline to sign up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. Fordyce says the DMC is the Farm Service Agency's primary risk management program, and it's much improved over the version that began in the 2014 Farm Bill. It was revised and improved in the 2018 Farm Bill. Congress listened to some of the concerns of the dairy sector and made some improvements, raised the coverage levels, lowered the premiums, and really changed a little bit about how we actually figure margin and put some components in that cost piece of the equation that actually maybe more truly reflects the cost of feed. If you're a dairy operator and you have not gotten signed up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, would strongly urge you to take a look at that. With the deadline drawing closer, producers may find it more convenient to schedule an appointment at their local FSA office. 2019 was our first year of coverage, and we had over 22,000 operations that signed up. We saw that number fall off a little bit for the 2020 coverage year, but we anticipate good 
sign up. Anytime we have a sign up deadline, it's human nature is we know when the deadline is, so we know we have until then to sign up. And so we see this just a lot in a lot of our programs. It really kind of ramps up that last week or so. We're on pace to be close to the 2020 sign up. But again, would just encourage folks, if you are a dairy operation, to take a look at the Dairy Marching Coverage Program. You can find more information on the CFAP2 program and the Dairy Margin Coverage Program at Farmers.gov. Mule deer season is here in Texas, so what kind of season should we expect? We'll have more on that coming up in our wildlife report. And does grazing wheat pasture affect the breeding performance of beef cows and heifers? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will answer that question all coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some folks say that letting beef cows and heifers graze wheat pasture can affect their breeding performance. So is that true? Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that question. A lot of producers have questions about growing replacement heifers before, during, and after the breeding season. There are some anecdotal reports that there is decreased breeding performance when replacement heifers are bred while grazing on wheat pasture. Dr. Glenn Selk indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that Oklahoma State conducted a study to compare reproductive performance of heifers before and during breeding. For two years, 40 spring-born Angus heifers were placed on wheat pasture in December, and 20 heifers remained on wheat pasture in March during breeding, while the other 20 heifers were placed in a dry lot and fed a corn-based growing ration. All heifers were bred using heat synchronization and artificial insemination. Ten days after the artificial insemination, all heifers were exposed to fertile bulls for 45 days, and ultrasound was used to detect pregnancy at 32 days after artificial insemination. The percentage of heifer cycling was much greater for heifers on wheat pasture at 75% versus only 55% cycling in the dry lot. There was very little difference in weights on heifers on dry lot versus wheat pasture, and pregnancy rates were slightly increased in the heifers on wheat pasture at 53% compared to only 43% in heifers in the dry lot. Final pregnancy rates after using the cleanup bulls indicated 95% of the heifers on pasture were pregnant and 88% on the dry lot were pregnant. The study indicates that pregnancy rates are just as good, if not slightly better, with heifers grazing wheat pasture versus being fed in a dry lot. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mule deer season is underway in parts of Texas, so what kind of season should we have here in 2020? Probably above average in terms of numbers, but antler development is definitely going to be below average because of the dry conditions we've been in for quite a while now. That's Sean Gray, mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. 
He says the drought will affect both antler size and body weight this year. He also says hunters need to check to see if they're hunting in a CWD surveillance and containment zone. If they're hunting in one of our CWD surveillance or containment zones that they need to uh, check their deer uh, so we can sample the deer for for chronic wasting disease and uh, there's an area in the panhandle in the northwest part of the panhandle kind of Dalhart area and then uh, in the Trans-Pecos far west Texas pretty much um, the Waco mountain area east of El Paso so if they're hunting in those areas uh, be sure and, and look at the our outdoor annual and uh, get to those check stations within 48 hours of harvest so we can sample the deer. Gray also says seven counties in the Panhandle are under experimental antler restrictions, where the outside spread of the main beams should be 20 inches or greater. Again, that's Sean Gray, mule deer and pronghorn program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Cattle and cotton both traded on both sides of the market on Wednesday. However, we ended up closing higher in the cattle market and lower in the cotton market. We'll take a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded on both sides of the market Wednesday, but we ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up seven cents, one ten seventy. February up seventy five at one thirteen ninety two. The April up thirty five. 11717. January feeder cattle up 15 cents, 141.80. March feeders up 32 at 140.97. The April up 22 cents, 142.10. Cash fed cattle trade. We did see some light trade on Wednesday in parts of Texas and Kansas. Cattle reportedly sold at 110 to 112 on a live basis. That's mostly steady with last week. We also had the online fed cattle exchange on Wednesday. 488 heads sold. All of those cattle here in Texas, they sold at 110.5 to 110.75. Feedlots are still hoping to get more money this week. The asking price is out there right now, 112 to 113 in the south, 175 dressed in the north. Boxed beef prices mixed choice down a dollar seventy two forty one seventy select up a dollar thirteen two twenty four twenty one. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Four County Auction Center in Industry Texas selling one thousand ninety three head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers a dollar twenty to two dollars a pound. Three to four weights a dollar ten to a dollar ninety. 
Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar to a dollar seventy-eight. Five to six hundred pound steers, ninety cents to a dollar fifty-five. And six to seven weights, bringing ninety to a dollar forty-three. Slaughter cows, fifteen to fifty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to eighty. Stocker cows, four hundred to nine twenty-five a head. Cow calf pairs, seven hundred to twelve hundred a pair. East Texas livestock in Crockett, Texas, 2,491 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.47 to $1.94. Three to four weights, $1.33 to $1.94. Four to 500 pound steers, $1.23 to $1.74. Five to 600 pounders, $1.18 to $1.60. Six to seven weight steers, $1.10 to $1.37 a pound. Slaughter cows, 39 to 61 cents. Slaughter bulls, 74 to 86. Stocker cows brought 690 to 1350 ahead. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. December hogs down 62 cents, 66.35. February down 87, 67.87. Class 3 milk was lower. December down 3 cents, 15.21. January milk down 28 at 1560 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower as it seems to be mirroring the financial markets right now. Traders waiting on Thursday's weekly export sales report. It was a pretty strong report last week at 350,000 bales. We closed with March cotton down 59 points, 7160. May down 57 at 7250. December 21 cotton down 45 points, 70.55 cents. The big swings continue in the wheat market. We've seen these double-digit moves both to the upside and the downside over the last week. We ended up closing strongly higher. December Kansas City wheat up 13 cents, 550 and a half. New crop July wheat up 14 at 562 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up nine cents at 590 a bushel. Corn closed higher, December up four and a quarter, 419. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 11, 276. January crude oil up 65 cents, 45.20 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 62 points, 29,886. The NASDAQ down 15, 12,339. The S&P 500 up 5, 3,667. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.